Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everybody, to Pac-12 Football and Beyond for this Friday, February 7th. Things kind of calming down a little bit with signing day getting wrapped up on Wednesday and some fallouts Thursday, and we're kind of settling in. Got a lot to get to today. want to cover some things around the country off the top, as we normally do, get into some Pac-12 discussions, mainly focusing on signing day and kind of wrapping up recruiting. Uh, reminder that for detailed breakdowns of recruiting classes, players, uh, class of 2020, players, class of 2021, we've got it all covered for you at LandryFootball.com. Detailed film on breakdowns, uh, news and notes, and our notebooks daily, we've got it all for you. And under our scouting season sale you want to take advantage of that that'll get you at the best price we've ever had all of that information as well as nfl draft nfl free agency um college football uh breakdowns all spring roster analysis uh transfer portal information the impact got it all covered for you 12 months a year Football has a playing season, it has a scouting season, and we got it covered for you here. 12 months a year. Be better prepared for the football season than ever before by becoming a member of LandryFootball.com today. Less than the magazine subscription. Listen, it's $4.99 a month if you take advantage of our great discount. We are brought to you by the great folks at 401k generation yes that's right they are the experts in financial planning financial management money management investment management uh, issues that you may have you may be looking into wanting to see if what you're doing is on the right track that's who you want to call if you have a plan you're not sure if it's working that's who you want to call if you don't have a plan this is who you want to call. It, they are the experts in financial planning. And the reason why you want to call them is regardless of where you are listening to this show, around the continental United States, 
their license in all 50 states. So you can call or text them at 1-866-998-5879. So reach out to them today. They can help you. And to get this podcast every day and to get the NFL podcast, which we have on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts for Landry Football's conference call. That's where you're going to five, find all five podcasts, excuse me, six podcasts, with uh, all five of these podcasts, one each day. And then, uh, obviously, the NFL podcast three times a week. So check that out today. Get that done so you don't miss it. It goes right to your phone. Otherwise, you can catch it at LandryFootball.com. So we're going to get to some questions pretty early, as we'd like to do, in uh, making sure that we answer them pretty early uh, before we get into deep dive into the Pac-12 recruiting. But I want to get into some Biggest news of the last 24 hours since we last spoke. Uh, It's now official. South Carolina has gotten the national letter of intent from one young Jordan Birch. He was the highest graded recruit still left on the board heading into Wednesday signing day. He announced that he was heading to South Carolina, but had not handed in or has not sent in his NLI. It appeared he had signed something. Did, what did he sign? When did he sign it? Did he sign it? Didn't know all that. Well, now we know because it's been sent in, and it's not an official until it's sent in, or you show up on campus, which means now his reminder that this is where he's obligated to go. He can't just show up anywhere else as he signed his NLI. So he's going to South Carolina. It's gone in, um, so the drama is finally over. I'm curious to see if there's any other drama about where he might want to go down the road. We know we're living in a transfer portal world. So, you know, listen, we don't know what the future is, but let's hope that the young man has at least got an idea and a vision and a clear focus on where he wants to be and has a comfort level, and he's doing what he wants. Uh, it, it appears that he is. We hope that he is. But you wonder a little bit about what has gone on there in terms of uh, going back and forth with the mother and um, what type of influence. And you hope that uh, everything that was being done from that end was a positive and not uh, necessarily uh, a sign of more chaos within the family or uh, issues within the family. It, it uh, doesn't appear that that's going to be the case. Um, but uh, we uh, we certainly wish him the best. An overall look at the recruiting class is 19 of 35-star prospects in the 2020 class. 19 of 30. Let that thing sink in. 19 of 30 five-star prospects sign with either Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Clemson, or Ohio State. Uh, Nearly half of the top 100 prospects, 47, ended up with one of the five. Think about that. You talk about the talent gap. You talk about the rich getting richer. That's uh, pretty impressive. When... 
you see the separation and you see the issues, and we're going to get into it as we talk about the big, the Pac-12 today a little bit later, <clears throat> where some of the problems are with the haves and have-nots. Um, certainly you're dealing with, in the SEC corridor, a lot of money. Of course, the Big Ten has a lot of money. But the SEC has a lot of money and a lot of players within that footprint, a lot more than anywhere else. And you're getting a lot of those kids going because you've got proven success of getting players to the NFL, which they come from everywhere, but more come from the SEC than anywhere, the SEC put footprint from anywhere. And you've got the best facilities, um, and they focus on the sport of football, better and more than anywhere else. And so as you do that, it becomes the in place to go if you've got that chance. So the best, go there. Here's the other thing to keep in mind. When you look at this particular class that's going to end up heading into the NFL draft in a few years, it's not going to look the same percentage-wise. Because here's the other little secret to how the recruiting websites and services rank their players. They're more information gatherers. They're not evaluators. And so if a kid is being recruited by Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, they're LSU. They're more inclined to be thought of higher. So if you've got a kid that's a three-star and all five of those schools are recruiting him, those recruiting services will, just by gathering that information, will move him up to a five-star. So, and this is why a lot of players that are three-stars end up being much better than five-stars because there's not a whole lot of difference. You know, one of the key issues to understand is there may be like 1,800 to 2,000 players with three-star grades. It's ridiculous. Because there's about three to four hundred of those three-star players that are really four-star players. But knowing which one of them are and which one of them are not is the key to evaluating. But the services are more in the information gathering. So that's why they're kind of way off base. And it's a little bit kind of a safety net. And don't misunderstand me. By the way, that is a good way. If you are not an evaluator, to gather information as to who's truly good. You you go ahead and, you know, <clears throat> follow the dots. You got the best programs in the country recruiting them. That is a good indicator of how good they are. <laughs> it makes sense. Look, you know, if you've got somebody that is recruited by, you know, what we call mid to lower level power five schools, and let's say he's being recruited by five of those schools, and another guy that's being evaluated and uh, recruited by Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Ohio State, 
you pretty much know which one is better just by based on information, gathering of information. But you haven't looked at the film. Now, what you don't know is the work ethic and the things that it's going to take to be successful because very often that three-star guy ends up being a better player. And that's reflected in the draft and who ends up producing more down the road. So keep that in mind that it is really interesting to see how it plays out. And by the way, those numbers are going to continue because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more those schools are recruiting them, the higher they're going to get. You're not going to see somebody. This is why I always say the programs that do the best job of recruiting are the ones that evaluate players the best and then sees them and develops them, has a vision for what they're looking for. That's scouting. You know, putting star rankings by their name is not scouting. It's basically information gathering. It is discerning who's recruiting them, and based on who's recruiting them, that's who gets the ranking. Just simple as that. Um, <clears throat> so it's a good way to kind of know what's going on if you're not in the business of evaluating players or you don't have the experience to do that and to discern one from the other. Interesting comments made by Justin Fuente, and I believe it's been taken out of context to some degree. But he said – and players on his team who enter the transfer portal, they're not coming back. Now, they're going to take them on a case-by-case basis. But his point was, if you're deciding to leave, you're not coming back. Well, that's the way most every coach looks at it. Now, if a kid's exploring it and he's visiting with you and looking at the pros and cons, well, that's – that's going to be the case-by-case situation. <clears throat> but if you leave, you got to move on, and you've got to get those scholarships filled. You shouldn't have a spot being left for you if you leave. So uh, th- now I know Randy Edsel, the Connecticut head coach, referred to players in the transfer portal as enabled and entitled. Well, in a large in large. Uh, Respect, that's true. A lot of them are the byproduct of they don't want to work. They don't want to compete. They want it to be the opportunity to be given to him, to them. You know, to me, that is um, a problem we got. And I do think we need to get a hold on the transfer portal. And I am a believer in a young man being able to leave. But as a coach who've had many of players that want to leave. They want to leave at noon, and then, you know, a week later, they're sorry that they left. A year later, ten years later, they're sorry that they left. You know, a lot of times, that's what really college is all about. Think about this. How many times do kids on campus, period, want to go home? Maybe they come from a, a small town. They're going to a bigger school. I mean, college is always bigger than your high school. I mean, the biggest high schools are not as big as a college. Um, Sometimes that gets intimidating to people, not just players. A lot of people want to go home. But, you know, their parents say you need to stick it out. 
This is going to be good for you. Hell, I wanted to go home. I stuck it out, and it was, thank God I did. I, I think there's not enough of that hard love going on today, and it truly is about, you know, playing time, and I want to move on. The grass is greener, and it rarely is. Some interesting points. Hey, Florida with a big-time move yesterday. They lost Larry Scott, a fine coach, tight end coach, and good recruiter. So what does Dan Mullen do? He hires one of the best recruiters in the country in Tim Brewster. He's coming in. Um, pretty sure he's going to coach tight ends. He'll work out those details, but he's an outstanding recruiter. Everywhere he's been, impact guy. You look at Florida, they've recruited well. I know there's frustration that they didn't finish quite like they had hoped on Wednesday. Still had an outstanding class. Adding a great recruiter with ties. Of course, he's spent a little time with Dan Mullen at Mississippi State. Spent time at Florida State. Tim Brewster's been everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, at Minnesota as a head coach at one point. So, a guy that can really recruit. And this is a good get for Dan for a place that, again, gets criticized for not being as good of a recruiting staff as Georgia. They've just taken a step, a positive step towards maybe not catching them, but certainly a positive step toward, you know, upping their recruiting. So great, great get uh, for him as well. A reminder again, check out on LandryFootball.com. Got the breakdowns uh, on on all the recruiting classes and um, – you want to check that out. A couple of questions that were sent in. Um, let's see. Um, one question sent in on Twitter at Larry Football was Who was the best college athlete or college football player you saw that did not pan out in the pros? Wow, that's a lot of guys. Um, you know, Danny Werfel was a great college quarterback. Knew he was not going to have a good arm to pan out, so it wasn't a surprise. Uh, Jason White was another, you know, quarterback that was a great player. Uh, you knew he didn't have the pro ability. Um, Rashawn Salam was a big-time player. Peter Warwick was a great college football player. Um Caught everything quick, but he couldn't separate. And it was the reason why he didn't have success. Um, you know, the Houston quarterbacks like Andre Ware and David Klinger, Ryan Leaf, Matt Leinart was a disappointment. Tim Couch was a disappointment. Cade McNown uh, was a di- – Eric Crouch was a really good college quarterback, but not someone who was a um, a really good pro. Andre Bruce didn't really – have a fit. He couldn't play linebacker, and but he was a great college player in the NFL. I had uh, too high of a grade on Courtney Brown coming out of Pitt. Steve Entman out of uh, Washington and Quentin Coriat, linebacker out of AM, both came out in the same draft, were great college players, were not great pro players. Um, you know, um, not really surprised, but Heath Schuler. Uh, Ron Dane was a great college back, was a good, serviceable pro player. Um, Kajana Carter was a great player. I mean, the biggest reason that they went to the Rose Bowl. Um, Curtis Ennis, another one, didn't have great careers. 
Lawrence Phillips was someone that really struggled um, off the field. Um, those are just some guys that come to mind. There's obviously others, but those are, those come to mind of some of the best. I can go on and on with a lot of guys that had great careers, um, but those are just some that come to mind. Um, other question that was asked, should college athletes get a salary in percentage of earnings from NCAA bowl games? Well, first of all, you don't you don't make money on the bowl games, with the exception of the handful of games that make money. The money that is spent going to a bowl game barely covers the cost of bringing the staff to most bowl games. So that's not the issue. But let's take it to a big picture issue. We know that there's money coming in. How much, I think, is misguided because college athletics is about two sports that make money, football and basketball, men's basketball, and supporting about 18 other sports, in some cases more, in funding those sports. So, you know, when you got two entities that, yeah, they make a lot of money, you start going into these other sports that you've got to support and they don't make money, there's not as much money left over as you might think. But there is some. Here's what I would like to see. I am not in favor of out-and-out paying players. What I would like to see is more put into the infrastructure of these football programs, of these athletic departments. Um, I think that while maybe there's a little bit overboard with some of the opulent look at facilities, I think every major athletic department should have a first-class nutrition center, first-class housing. Um, A player should not want for anything. A player should not only have, and, and most do not, but there should be money supplied or clothes supplied to them. Um, families should be able to go to games and be allowed to travel and you can you know, pay back the money, hotels and flights and all of that. Uh, players should be able to come and go on, on the dime of the university, the athletic department. They're from Texas and they go to, school in Miami or whatever, they should be able to come and go. Th- those are the things I'd like to see. The out-and-out paying them, I'm not for. I-, I think that there could do a lot more. I also think there should be a fund put in for players that suffer injuries, uh, you know, lifetime medical coverage. Those are things that I'd like to see that the NCAA put into to help. I think you need to have, uh, obviously, a strong checks and balances so – there's a elimination or a prevention of, flaw, of fraud in those situations, but I'd like to see more done in that regard. So um, we'll see. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, talk about this for a second. Um, actually, I will address this on Monday, just with time permitting. It's about Alabama's defense that Derek asks uh, and how it's changed and evolved under the years. Erner Nick Saban. I will have a little bit more time on Monday. I want to get to some other stuff today. So check Derek, and you want to check out on that, uh, anybody that's interested in learning a little bit more how this Alabama defense has involved, uh, evolved under Nick Saban. I think you'll enjoy that. So as we kind of head to further look inside the Pac-12 recruiting, it's Oregon. It's all about Oregon. Um, 
they are clearly the class of the league in terms of recruiting. And there are two reasons for it. Well, it should be USC, but USC doesn't have their ducks in a row. They're poorly mismanaged and organized. They don't spend the money where it should be. Oregon is spending the money. They have good facilities, and they've got a coach in Mario Cristobal that knows how it should look like with his experience over at Alabama. He's putting it in place. Uh, In fact, he flipped Jason Jones from Alabama, big-time defensive tackle. So it's great there are – leading the pack in the Pac-12. Really good class. Justin Flo, top-ranked prospect in California, going to Oregon. Um, Missouri corner Dante Manning, the Utah defensive end outside back of Noah Sewell. Luke Hill out of Maryland. Um, Good wide receiver athlete, Jad Navarrete from California. Um, Jay Butterfield, quarterback that's really good. Robbie Ashford, the very talented quarterback in his own right. Chris Hudson and Seth Figgins are really good athletes. Again, also out of California, Jonathan Dennis. Um, offensive tackle Jalen Jeffries. Um, got a Juco guard, TJ Bass, that can, I think, be a plug-and-play guy. Got a good safety in Bennett Williams. Um, good good class A, you know, top 15 class nationally. Washington did a really good job. Also kind of in that range of a top 15-ish class. Chris Peterson resigned, but Jimmy Lake and his staff was able to keep Savelli Smalls, five-star outside backer. Um... They always recruit the state of California well. And with USC and UCLA not doing their job, it opens up Miles um, Muraro, the guard, wide receiver Jalen McMillan, and quarterback Ethan Garbers, good gets. Offensive tackle, a top 300 caliber player in Roger uh, Rosengarden. Sam Adams, the son of um, Texas A&M and Seahawks Sam Adams. Um Jerry and Hatchet, guards good. Uh, 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 Gerard uh, Memelar, two good physical guards. Um, Texas running back, Javion Sunday. Tight end, Mark Redman and Mason West. Rome uh, Aduze was a big-time receiver get. Jacoby Covington, safety out of Arizona. A couple of good corners and Elijah Jackson, McKeel Easton. Got good length to their game. Good, good class for Washington. Stanford, kind of a typical Stanford class. Top 25-ish. Miles Hinton is a five-star tackle. E.J. Smith is a playmaker. That's uh, Emmett Smith, his son. Um, Doing a good job in California. Um, The wide receiver, John Humphreys, is a good player. Bryce Farrell, another top 300-level receiver. Um, Tobin Phillips and Brandon Jones, good defenders that can run. Uh, Four-star tackle Connor McLaughlin from Florida. Uh, The corner, Aiden Hector, 
a top 300 caliber player. Uh, Levi Rogers, a four-star guard, really big gets for them. Amari Porter, good length. Um, he's the son of Larry Porter, you know, as over at Auburn, really good-looking player. So got a couple of undersized tight ends, uh, Lucas Unger, Ben Yurisek, good, solid Stanford class. Arizona State continues to do a good job, uh, really solid. Um, State of California is big, and they had good early signing. Um, they got Johnny Wilson from Oregon. Was Get him to flip was, was really good. They've got um, <clears throat> Folsom High teammates, Daniel Nada, Elijah Badger. That was big gets for them, top 300 caliber players. They've got um, – some four-star quality players in L.V. Bunkley, Shelton, Chad Johnson, Jordan Banks, the defensive end, Omar Norman Lott, the defensive tackle, uh, Dalen McLemore, the quarterback, um, DeMonte Trayman, the running back that can play early, uh, cornerback, need a lot of needs there. They've got some quality in D'Angelo De- uh, Taylor, Edward Woods, Mason Williams, T. Lee, uh, Joe Moore, the defensive end, Caleb McCullough is an outside backer. Do you need to remember? Um, so a, a kind of a top 30 caliber class, a top 25 caliber class. Utah, Utah does what they do. Good season on the field. Developmental program. They got um, a pair of four-star Texas kids. Defensive end Van Villinger, playmaking running back Ty Jordan out of the Dallas area. They got a really good corner in Clark Phillips from California. Four-star defensive end Xavier Carlton, good in-state wins. Um, Four-star offensive tackle, Salati Mioa, it's a difference maker in the run game, I tell you. A good, um, talented Texan that's a quick three-star Montarian Parks, kind of overlooked by some of the Texas schools got um, success in state. Three-star uh, safety, Nate Ritchie. The inside backer, Siona Fotu. Offensive tackle, Alex Harrison. Defensive end, Tyler Weegis. A lot of growth room. It fits the mold of what they normally develop very well, as well as Keanu Tunavasi, who's probably going to be a defensive tackle. He's a defensive end on film in high school. Solid class. I thought Mel Tucker did a nice job at Colorado. Um, You got a top 300-level quarterback in Brendan Lewis. You've got a big-time running back out of New Orleans in Ashad Clayton, a four-star tackle in Jake Ray out of Georgia, Uh, three-star Caleb Fourier's uh, Christian son. Um... Got a really good wide receiver in Brendan Rice out of Arizona. Um, three Texas wide receivers, Chris Carpenter and Keith Miller. On defense, they've got a Juco defensive end, Justin Jackson and Guy Thomas. Four-star safety, Christian Gonzalez, was uh, a good flip from Purdue. Jordan Berry was really a, was a one-time LSU verbal. Um Outside backer Torian Pittman out of Texas. Um, 
Hamilton's a good kid as well as Mr. Williams. That's his name, Mr. Good outside backer as well. Um, kind of in that next level would be, uh, you know, UCLA. You know, it's it's a little bit better than it has been, but it's not not where it needs to be. You got Parker McQuarrie out of New Hampshire, a good pocket-passing quarterback. They got some local, you know, John, the St. John Bosco high school kids, the safety Jonathan Vaughns, the wide receiver Loga Loya. You've got a four-star kid in John Humphreys, Matt Sykes out of Hawaii, are really talented playmakers. Outside backer Damian Sellers was really good signing. Um, they've got a good inside backer in uh, Chloe Bryan Strother out of Georgia, Luke Akers, kicker out of Tennessee. Um, Kenny Mestador from Canada, a corner, uh, Donald Warrell from Los Angeles, and the, the Juco edge, Michu um, Agud, could play, should play early. Uh, you know, decent kind of top 35, 40 class. Cal, Oregon State, top 50 classes. Cal, um, probably a little bit higher, probably more like top 40 for them. It's probably the best class they've had. A nice early December run, you know, with DeAndre Rodgers and one-time Arkansas verbal Mason Mangum. Uh, but the playmakers join the quarterback, Jaden Casey, three-star running back, Chris Street, three-star wide receiver, Tommy Christos, an offensive class that's going to be much-needed addition of playmakers. On defense, they got three-star outside backer, Andy Elaferi. Defensive tackle Jaden Roberts and Ricky Correa. Safety Trey Pastor. Quartet of corners who can add coverability on the deep end. You've got uh, Endor Aguilar, good defensive end. So it's a solid class for Justin Wilcox. I thought that <clears throat> Oregon State, for what they are, you know, a, a top 50 caliber class. Just to give you an overall view, the Juco corner, Rajon Wright, is a good player. The Juco defensive end, Tavia Shippen and Alex Lemon, both can play and help them. They've got a um, a corner in uh, Alton Julian that can help them. Got a three-star kid, Isaiah Newell, was a good, good get out of California. They've got a three-star quarterback in Ben Gobranson. Um... They've got uh, another quarterback in Chance Nolan, linebackers in Jason Walling and John Miller, the tight ends, Jake Overman, Tommy Spencer, kind of a need fillers for them. Um, <clears throat> you know, So top 50 caliber program, and then Oregon State's never going to have great impacts. Their impacts usually come out of the JUCO ranks, and they got to develop the two- and three-star kids. So three stars are really good gets for them. Clearly the story of the Pac-12, not to take it in a negative light, but USA. I, you know, I don't want to pile on. You know how I feel about the talking heads and people say this and that. The reality is they're not getting enough players, and they're not getting, <coughs> pardon me, enough quality. Quite, quite a tough 2020 cycle. Small class, 
did hit on some key positions. You've got wide receiver Gary Bryant. It's a good receiver class. Want to look at the positives? Let's let's do it. Gary Bryant, Joshua Jackson Jr. Uh, certainly, we talked about on LandryFootball.com about those, but also Jack Larry, the four-star tight end at Ron Yerry's son, got him. Um, Arizona State made a run. Of course, Washington was in it, but they got him. Um, the future of all, the offensive line needed to be shored up. Jonah Monheim, uh, Texas's um, Casey Collier and Cortland Ford and Caden Stevens are solid guys. Andrew DeWork and Andrew Millick are the offensive linemen. None of them are overly impressive recruits but have ability. We'll see how they develop defensive line. Now, Jamar Sakona, defensive tackle. Kobe Pepe, defensive tackle. Defensive end, Tuli Tupolotu. It's just not what you expect out of USC. I mean, it's a, you know, 55 to 60 range class. Certainly not what you expect out of a USC program that should be every year top 5 to 10. Then you had... Washington State, uh, a late situation for Nick Rolovich. Um, the wide receiver was replenished with the, a good player in three-star Jay Workelson and Cedric Pelham out of Texas, Joey Hilbert out of California, Mike Petware out of Alabama. Um, you've got uh, Jason DeLora. Quarterback out of Hawaii, offensive lineman. It can get really good feet in James McNorton and Roderick Tiavila. You know, it was a, a decent job considering the late start. Probably outside of USC, of course, the most disappointing class continues to be Arizona. And, um, and we're just not seeing the impact that I thought that we would see out of that program. I thought Kevin Sumlin would have an impact. I didn't expect, nor do I ever expect Arizona to be among the top four or five recruiting programs in the Pac-12. You know, I mean, I don't expect them to be where Oregon or Washington um, or USC should be. You know, but but kind of I thought they might be more middle of the pack and maybe kind of in that fifth, sixth range. They had the most unimpressive class of anybody overall in the Pac-12. Uh, leaning a, hot, a lot on the state of Texas, which is fine with, with Kevin's background, but I thought they'd be able to do more in state and out west, and they're not getting it done. Uh, I do like Frank Brown out of Houston, the running back. I do like the outside backer, Derek Morning, out of the Katy area. Uh, I, you know, thought it was a really good get, getting the Austin corner, Edric Whitley. Got a couple of players from Florida, the safety, Majin Wright. The guard, Woody Jean's a good player. You know, they're not, they're certainly not the program in Arizona. People can come in, take the best players out of state, and Arizona State is the program in the state. But getting Will Plummer is good. Regent Terry, the defensive end, was good. 
uh, Deion Wilson and uh, Chantrell Key got some ability to develop as defensive front players. But overall, not all that crazy about where they are. I mean, you're looking at it, probably top 75. It puts them kind of in the area where, you know, getting to a bowl game is about all you can expect out of this program. Uh, not not taking that program to the next level that I thought it could be, and that is a consistent program, make it look different. Now, certainly they have tried to improve facilities, but they still are far behind. As a general rule, <clears throat> the Pac-12 football on the field and off the field is disappointing. Look, let's give credit to Oregon and Utah for good year, for good seasons. People will dismiss them. They deserve credit for the job that they do. They had good teams. No, they're not national playoff teams, and they've proven that. But that's a high standard. And, you know, I think that the reality is the Pac-12 is a long way to go. People have asked me, how do you fix it? It's a chicken egg. You've got to have some success on the field. But it's an arms race. And what has happened over years and years is a windfall of money. You saw recently the boatload of money being handed out as they figured out which each SEC school cut of the pie is going to be. The, the Big Ten's even better. And the SEC is on the verge of putting together a mega, mega money deal. Basically with probably SEC, ABC family to replace the 230 CBS package. That is going to make the gap even bigger. I explained before, and I think it bears repeating. You look at the Pac-12 programs. Their coaching staffs are fine. But you look at, and I do think, Mario Cristobal is trying to show what it looks like. There is a commitment to be successful in football, and there's a commitment financially. That's why they're having some success, why they're having maybe the program that looks the best. It looks the closest to an elite program of anybody in the Pac-12 now. USC should be that. USC's got money. But here's the reality. The Pac-12 does not generate the revenue like the SEC and the Big Ten. You got a problem. It is something that they need to do a better job administratively of doing. Of TV deals, TV packages, being creative. And obviously they need USC to be USC. And if that happens, and USC with the right hire and the right financial commitment You know, the money needs to be invested to where you go onto a campus at a USC, you go onto a campus at an Arizona State, at a Colorado, that it looks like an SEC school. 
or a Big Ten school. And it doesn't look like it at all. You look at it, and it is, trust me. It's like going into a neighborhood, and you're looking at houses. And I know in the real estate market, you can get a good deal sometimes and say, hey, this house needs to be the fixer-upper, but boy, it's at a good price. But if you imagine that if the prices are the same and you got one that looks got all the bells and whistles, it's outstanding, it's more energy efficient, and it's the same price as the one that looks half of that, that's what you're dealing with in recruiting. They are no longer in the Pac-12 getting the best California kids. The best defensive player I think the best def- uh, best player in the state of California for 2021, we're talking next year's class now, already committed to Clemson. Doesn't even have a USC on his list. And Clemson's got a track record of holding on to their commitments. You're in California. You are where it was always in Southern California, you got to beat USC on a kid. Now it's bring it on. You're Clemson, you're Alabama, you're Georgia, you're LSU, you're Ohio State. You've got better than a 50-50 chance of beating a USC on a kid, much less anybody else. That has to change and it is a chicken egg thing. Will winning help it? Yes. Well, how do you win more? Well, you got to get better facilities. Well, how do you get better facilities? You got to generate more revenue. How do you generate more revenue? Well, you got to win more games. You got to create more energy into the program. Look, I. It, it is it is so far behind in terms of facilities, how you run a program. I've said this before. You go to USC's recruiting department you got maybe three to five people that work and do what 25 do at a georgia at an alabama at an lsu it's a new age folks you got people that just handle digital uh graphics um how do you think you stay in touch with these kids in the modern era you know, you're constantly, you think it's coaches sending this? It's a staff of people making sure that these recruits are constantly getting updates about this and that. You don't have but a fraction of the staff. That is to your detriment. They've got to build an infrastructure at a place like USC to lead the way. And yes, Fans of the Pac-12 will talk about, well, we're doing this facilities. Trust me, your facilities, with all due respect, are very paltry compared to what it looks like in the SEC. And when a kid gets a chance to go out and look at an Alabama, at a Clemson, at a Georgia, at an LSU, at an A&M, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, at Ohio State. And then you go to a Pac-12 school, you say, 
it speaks to the family and to the kids. This is different level football. Man, there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of focus. There's a lot of emphasis being put on football here. Not so much there. Pac-12 also probably has more sports to support on their campus than anybody. They got the water polo and not trying to disparage those folks. But there's not as much money and more mouths to feed. It is a big factor. It is something that is needs to be looked at if they want to be successful. It is not an easy fix. It is a long fix, but it can be done. But like anything, you've got to get more financial resources in there, and you got to utilize it. We'll see where it goes, but that's kind of a look. So this is – Look, this is a um, – it's a hard look at a conference that historically has had good teams and had good programs. But as the gap continues to wide in terms of financial resources, look, if you're Vanderbilt and you don't even care about football, but you got an extra $50 million coming in just for being part of the SEC – and you don't look like the SEC, you don't act like the SEC, but you get a $50 million check, you can do an awful lot. And it's going to be even bigger, as I said, with the new TV contract. This is why places like the Mississippi State, a Kentucky football. If I tell you that Kentucky football facilities is better than anybody in the Pac-12, well, except for Oregon, would that surprise you? Kentucky's a basketball school. Oh, yes, they are. But you have all that extra money. Man, you could make things look good, and you can build yourself something. So I, I look at the Arizona schools. I look at Colorado. I look at Cal. I look at Stanford. I get it. There's a different model of how they do it. That's fine. I still think that the success of the programs could be better than it's been. But I do think for it to get into the chase of the national championship playoff caliber, that the only way it looks like they're going to get a piece of the pie is if they change the format and give an automatic bid. Basically, they're going to have to socialize the sport to where if you can't come up to the best, we're going to open it up to where will you'll be given a chance. And that's where it's maybe headed. It's probably the only way for the programs to get to that up to speed. I thought Oregon and Utah were close this year. I don't know that they were playoff caliber, but in terms of the fourth seed, they were every bit as good as Oklahoma. I don't think they're as good as a couple of teams that weren't going to make it, like a Georgia. But, you know, there is no question that They've got some things to work with, but they've got a lot of things to improve upon, and it really would start with the television packages and the growth there financially, and then a more of a commitment by the universities and the athletic departments to put more of an emphasis on football, which is the most expensive sport, to make it look more competitively. So we'll, we'll see. All right.
appreciate you joining us. Hey, have a great weekend, everybody. We are reminding you that go to LandryFootball.com for all the latest goings on around the world of football, college, NFL, all through the weekend. Uh, seven days a week we're there. Uh, we're going to keep you up to date on everything. And join us Monday for SEC football and beyond as we're going to continue to talk college football every day. SEC on Monday. We'll get into a question that Derek has that's very good as well as uh, kind of get into more in-depth on the SEC recruiting classes. Uh, we will do that going forward. Appreciate you joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. Have a great weekend. Check out our great friends at 401k Generation who have uh, brought to you this podcast, and you can reach them at one 998 5879 Carl or text. They're licensed in all 50 states. They are the experts. So give them a call today. Tell them that you heard about them from us right here. And sign up for this podcast as well as all the other college and NFL podcasts by going to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get them, signing up for Landry Football's conference call. Check out LandryFootball.com, our 50% discount saving scouting season sale, best one we've ever had. Appreciate you joining us. Talk to you Monday, everybody. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.